Great to see you, Journey. Before we jump into the Word, I want to do a little bit of a family update. We do that every once in a while to let you know about things that are happening in and around our church and make some announcements of some transitions. Uh, Some of you already know because he talked about this that uh, Chris Townley is transitioning off of our staff. He came to me last fall, early last fall, and uh, we we knew that his time here was going to be uh, it, it was going to be short. We just didn't know how long it would be. His heart's desire was always to go plant a church, and that was going to take shape in Phoenix. But last fall, he kind of gave us a timeline that this was going to be his last season at Journey. And so that started a little bit of an internal process for me, because uh, the way we've always approached uh, teaching around here recently is that we do it as a team. Uh, there's not going to be just one voice that we hear from. We want to hear from a multiplicity of voices. And so we just began to think, like, what is that going to look like for us as a church? One of the conversations I began to have is uh, with a good friend of mine uh, up in Big Sky, Brian Van Epps, not even necessarily uh, about that position, but just that there's going to be uh, a transition here. And uh, over a season of time, those conversations uh, turned to prayer, turned to uh, some things that started bubbling up in us. We began to pray about that a ton. Uh, started to invite other leaders around our church to explore the possibility of that. Well, I just want to let you know that those conversations that turn to prayers, that turn to a discerning process uh, with our whole council um, and lots of interviewing uh, came to the place where our council last week uh, made the decision to extend an offer to Brian Van Epps to be our next teaching pastor, and he accepted that offer. So, yeah, absolutely. So Brian is going to be stepping onto our staff. It'll kind of coincide with Chris's transition on September 1st. He's going to be sharing the teaching load with me up front here, and he's also going to be carrying a lot of the pastoral load with us as well around the church. You might be asking yourself, September 1, that seems like a long ways away. Why are you doing this now and uh, announcing it now, and it's not until September 1? I just want you to know that we love Big Sky Christian Fellowship, the church that Brian has led for the last five years. And so our heart's desire was to give them as much runway as possible to be able to find a replacement for Brian. He's just been an integral part of what they've been doing up there. And they've got an incredible team, an incredible uh, group of elders up there that have already started the the process. They're going to run a great process and we're praying and we believe they're going to find an incredible guy. So we're excited about Brian and the gifts that he brings. And we're also excited about what God is going to do at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. Uh, As you can imagine, uh, they've got two little kids, uh, Eli and Ava. They're uh, six and four. And so this is is a big uprooting for them. And so Brian and Lori were in this process with them. And at one point, they came to the decision that if if Journey extends an offer to us, we're going to say yes. And they let their kids know that. But this was, this was a hard thing, and especially for Eli with all of his little buddies up there at Big Sky. But uh, it was really cute. When Brian told him that, he said, uh, Eli, if they extend an offer to us, we're going to say yes. And Eli just, his head kind of dropped and he covered up his face. And, and he's like, what's the matter, little buddy? And he said, they're going to want you, dad. You're a really good pastor. <laughs> I agree. I agree with Eli. We're excited that Brian's going to be uh, one of our next pastoral hires around here. What if I told you that God's trying to get your attention right now? Trying to grab your attention in some way. He sees you. 
He knows you. He knows everything that's going on in your life. In fact, just think about this. He knows everything that you're thinking right now. Everything you might even be thinking about me. What I'm saying, he knows all of it. He's actively at work in and around your life, whether you're aware of it or not. And he wants to speak messages to you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to be able to discern his voice from all of the other voices that are competing for your attention. You know what else is exciting? That this same God, he's got a plan for you. He's got things that he wants to do in your life and through your life. I don't think it's an accident that you are here today and it's not an accident to God either. But I imagine that as I describe what I just did, that there's some of you that are saying to yourself, I don't know. Does God really, is he really that active? Because I'm not hearing it. I'm not discerning it. I don't know what it is that he's trying to say to me. And I'm not even sure that I believe that he wants to say something to me. Well, I want you to believe it because he is. But why is that so difficult for us at times to believe? That the God who made us wants to speak into our lives, that he's got a plan for us. And sometimes I feel like we just get so insecure, wondering like, am I able to discern what it is that he's saying? Because there's so much going on in my life. Am I able to discern what it is that he is saying to me in this moment? Because we live in this, I don't even know how to describe it, just such a rushed, frenetic world. And there are so many voices that are competing for your attention. How do we sort out what it is that God wants to say in amongst the midst of all of those other voices? And because we have a hard time discerning that at times, sometimes I think we can just back up and come to the conclusion that I just don't think God speaks. Or if he does, he certainly doesn't do it very often. Does any of that resonate with you as much as it does with me? Because I think about, I I was... I thought this through. I thought if there was one thing that between right now and the time that I die and go to be with the Lord, if there's anything, one thing that I could grow in, it would be this. I want to learn to hear his voice. I want to know his voice. I want to know what it is that he wants to say to me. And friends, I want us to do that together. For us to be the people and the church that God wants us to be, we've got to learn how to hear God's voice. And so as we step into this new series that we're calling Unlikely Leader, The Life of Moses, we're going to look at the life of Moses and an iconic event in his life and begin to, through that lens, look at how do we learn to hear God's voice? And you know what that iconic event is? Spoiler alert. Burning bush. Isn't that a great burning bush? Kristen made that. But before we jump into the burning bush story, I want to give you a little bit of context to what happened in the life of Moses leading up to the burning bush incident. He was born in slavery. He was a Hebrew child born under the Egyptian slavery. And it was born at a time when Pharaoh had just said, we don't want this group of people to continue to grow, so we're going to kill every young boy that is born. Well, his mom didn't want him to die, didn't want to throw him in the Nile as they were supposed to do, but she built a basket and she sent it down the Nile. Moses is found, he's rescued, and he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's household. He becomes the prince of Egypt. 
Fast forward 40 years. There's an incident in the life of Moses where he observes an Egyptian slave master mistreating a Hebrew slave. And in his anger, he kills the Egyptian slave master. But what happens is he realized the word is out. People saw this and he runs from Pharaoh. So here's what happened. The next 40 years of his life, he is off in the desert as a shepherd in Midian. He is in the desert. 40 years in the desert. 40 years of silence. 40 years for Moses to think about and regret what happened that day. 40 years for his expectations to be rock bottom that God is ever gonna speak to him in a significant way and that his life is gonna be about something. 40 years. But after 40 years, that's when God shows up in this iconic encounter. And when we look at this encounter of Moses in the burning bush, I want us to begin to think about what do we need to pay attention to if we're gonna learn to hear the voice of God the way Moses learned to hear the voice of God. The first thing, friends, that we've got to pay attention to is our pace. The first thing in your notes there, we've got to pay attention to our pace. Exodus chapter three, starting in verse one. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? And I want you to just catch this phrase. I must go see it. I must go see it. If you unpack the original language there just a little bit, what's being described there is more than just, hey, I'm gonna go check this out. It talks about a detour. Moses was heading in a certain direction. Something grabbed his attention and he changed direction. He paused. He saw something that caused him to say, what is going on? He took a pause. Everything turned on that. His willingness to just turn in a direction and take a pause. And you might be saying to yourself, well, it was a burning bush that wasn't consumed. Anybody would turn and look at it. Would they? Would you? Would I? I don't know. Because sometimes I look at my life and I look at the life of people around me and there are these incredible things that are happening in and around their life, miraculous type things. Sometimes life-changing events. And sometimes we just kind of shrug it off like, wow, that's quite a coincidence. We just move on. We don't take time to pay attention. I mean, we've got things to do, right? I mean, we gotta get our kids to soccer practice. I mean, we've got this incredible load of work that we've got to take care of. And I mean, Game of Thrones isn't gonna watch itself. We've gotta watch every episode. So much that we need to do. I just can't emphasize enough how important I believe this piece of this message is because if we don't get this right, nothing else matters. 
If we don't slow our life down enough to create some space in our life, to create some quietness from all of the voices and the frenetic pace that's going on, we're not going to be able to hear God's voice. We've got to slow our pace because it's only when we slow down, friends, It's only when we turn aside, when we do the detour, that we're able to pay attention to what it is that God wants to say to our lives. We've got to slow down. We've got to pay attention. We've got to get our antennas up, get our expectations up, that God wants to speak. He's doing it all around me. If I would just pay attention, we've got to slow our pace. But there's something else that was interesting to me in this encounter that Moses has with God. I want us to pay attention to the place. Not just the pace, but pay attention to the place. This place where Moses encounters God, I want to describe it this. It was comfortably uncomfortable. It was comfortably uncomfortable. Here's what I mean. Verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. But then God says, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Comfortably uncomfortable. You just can't, we can't miss the contrast that we see in this text. On the one hand, we see a God that is incredibly approachable, personal, to Moses. He calls him by name. Moses. Moses. He knows Moses. He invites Moses. He's present. He's intimate. I mean, it, it would have been kind of weird, maybe, if God just was like, hey, earthling. No, it's not just some random person that God is talking. He knows Moses. He is incredibly approachable and inviting, but at the same time, he is incredibly unapproachable. Because as Moses starts to move toward him, what does God say? Stop. Stop, Moses. You are standing on holy ground. While God is approachable and inviting, he is also unapproachable and holy. And he says to Moses, take off your shoes. This reminder that as Moses just walked through life, he just picked up gross things on his feet, unclean things. Don't bring that into my holiness. Because God wanted Moses to know, although I am inviting you into something, I am completely other than you. I am completely above you. Comfortably uncomfortable. There's theological terms that we use to describe this tension that we see in the character of God all throughout Scripture. And it's the two words, eminence and transcendence. 
Because in this text, we see that God is eminent. He is among us. He is present. He is personal. He is intimate with Moses. But at the same time, he's transcendent. He is beyond. He is above, beyond in ways that we can't even comprehend. He's both of those at the same time. And the beauty that we see in who God is is that these things are held in tension. Not only in this text, but throughout scripture. Comfortably uncomfortable. See, if God were not both of these things, if he were not transcendent, if he was not big and powerful and holy and glorious beyond our understanding, he wouldn't be worthy of our worship. But he is. But if he wasn't eminent, if he wasn't willing to allow himself to be approachable, allow himself to reveal himself to us, we wouldn't know how to worship him. We wouldn't be able to get our heart and our mind around who he is. He's both. We've got to hold those tensions in our heart and mind the same way that the scripture holds those tensions. There's no more beautiful way that we see that tension lived out than the incarnation. When God became flesh, Jesus came to this earth. He showed us what this infinite God looks like as a man, as he became one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. He's transcendent and he's imminent. I love the metaphor that's used not only here, but throughout scripture of God's presence, this idea of fire. Because I think when we try to think about that metaphor just a little bit, we start to understand this idea of eminence and transcendence, that God is among us, but he's also above us. I mean, I think about fire. Fire draws me in. My favorite thing when I'm camping is just to sit around a campfire. Isn't it just mesmerizing? You can just watch it. You can poke it. The warmth, you're drawn to it. But although we're drawn to it, we know that fire is dangerous. I'm not just going to stick my hand in it because it has the power to consume. And friends, so does our God. He is holy. Although he is among us, he is to be taken seriously, comfortably uncomfortable. We've got to hold these two things in tension because you hear people at different times. I think when you get off too far on one side, there's times that I hear people talk about God and it's just completely transcendent. He's pure, holy, majestic, glorious. All those things are true. But as they talk about their connection to him, it's almost like they're looking through the wrong end of a telescope that God just gets so far out there, untouchable, unavailable to us. But I think sometimes we can talk about God in certain ways that are too commonplace. We too much focus on his eminence. Like he's just our fuzzy little buddy. There was a t-shirt several years ago. I remember seeing a lot of people wear these. There was uh, a time where there was even some prominent people in Hollywood that were wearing these t-shirts. And if you have had one of these t-shirts or you're wearing one right now, I just want to say no judgment, no judgment in that whatsoever. But it was this t-shirt that said, had a picture of Jesus on it, and it said, Jesus is my homeboy. 
And I, I, there was just something about that that just always kind of struck me a little bit wrong. Like, if the message of that t-shirt is that he is our friend, then amen. Jesus says, you're not my servants. I call you my friends. But this isn't just a fuzzy little friend. This is the friend that made us. This is the friend that holds everything together by the power of his word. The only reason that I get to take my next breath is because Jesus says I can. He's not just a fuzzy little buddy. He is God, and he is dangerous. Comfortably uncomfortable. And if we're gonna know the real God, we've got to learn how to live in the beauty of that tension because it actually becomes beautiful when we see those things for what they are, that this magnificent God wants to move toward me. That's what melts our heart. That's what moves us toward God. We've got to live in that tension. Another thing that I see in the life of Moses is that he moved toward God's face. Moved toward God's face to hear God's heart. And I've really wrestled with this this morning and I felt like I, there's something that the Lord wants me to say right now. Um, I think that there's some people here, this is what you need to hear today. If you wonder if God wants to speak to you, this is it. You know, you'll know who you are. God's spirit will surface that in you, but you need to hear this. This is the Lord speaking to Moses in the midst of the suffering of his people. Verse seven, the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. This is what I believe some people need to hear today. I think that there's some phrases that God speaks to Moses that I think God wants to speak over you as well. These phrases are, I have certainly seen. In the midst of whatever you're going through, you need to know God sees it. I have heard their cries. God has heard what you've said to him. I am aware of their suffering. God knows. God knows what you're walking through. He knows the pain of it. And he says, I have come down to rescue them. Whether it's right now or in a week or down the road, God will rescue. God came to rescue us. And I just imagine for some of you, those phrases are just things that maybe you would just write them on sticky notes and put them up on your mirror and just let them continue to wash over your heart and mind. God sees. God hears. He's aware. And he's a God who redeems. Here's what we've got to understand about this story. When God's making those promises helping Moses understand that. How long had the nation of Israel been in slavery? 
400 years. But even in the midst of 400 years, God's saying, I know. I've seen, I've heard, I know. How long? I know that some of you are asking, God, how long? I don't know how long, but I do know God sees, God hears, God knows, and there will be a day that he redeems everything. Everything in our lives and everything in this world, God will make it right. And here's what God did to bring about the redemption of his people. He tapped Moses on the shoulder. Because it's not just about us knowing that God has a redemptive plan. When we encounter God, when we move toward him, God invites us into that plan with him. Because he's eminent, he's among us. And it's not because God's lazy. It's not like he needs to get somebody else to do his work for him. He delights in using us in what it is that he's doing in this world because as we allow him to use us, as we hear his voice and we follow him, it begins to change us. We experience him. Are you ready for that? If you hear God's voice, be ready for him to send you. We're gonna be talking about that next week. I'm so excited for that message, but I want you to hear something. This idea of what it means for us to hear and respond to the message of God to the voice of God is fundamental for us in being disciples of Jesus. We've got to learn. So here's what I'm gonna do. You can see this on your notes. I'm gonna give you a tool and I'm gonna give you an assignment to begin to think about how do I engage the voice of God in my own life? We're gonna look at Mark chapter one, 14 to 15. Here's what the text says. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God talking about the gospel. And then Jesus says this just phrase that is just loaded with implications. He just says, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says, the time has come. And friends, when we think about time, oftentimes we think about time in this sense, the sequential passing of moments. That's the Greek word chronos where we get chronological, the sequential passing of moment. That's not the word that Jesus used here. Jesus uses a very different word. It's a word called kairos. That word can be translated not just time, it's opportunity. There is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to break in to our life. The kingdom of God, God's rule and his reign can break into our life. There's this opportune time. And that's what Jesus is saying. There's an opportunity right here. What are we going to do with the opportunity? Moses had an opportunity. He had a kairos moment in the form of a burning bush. He turned aside. He engaged it. Moses could have just walked right on by. We need to identify what are those kairos moments in our life? What are those places where God is trying to grab our attention? Maybe it's a thought that just continues to come in our own. Maybe it's a question that I've just been wrestling with. Maybe there's this emotion thing that's happening in me that I just don't understand. Maybe I'm reading the word and there's things that just jump off the page at me. Kairos, these kairos moments can come in any kind of form. 
But here's what Jesus is saying. When those opportunities come, we need to engage it. And here's how Jesus said that we engage it. We do it by doing two different things. He said the first thing that we do is we repent. He says repent and believe the good news. Now when we, if you grew up in church and you hear that word repent, you might think that all that word means is turning from sin, which is a great way to define that word and application of that. But that word simply means to change our mind, to change the way we're thinking about something. And in this context, we're talking about we want to change our mind to match the mind of God. God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you want me to see? So the question that we're asking when we engage a kairos is we're asking the question simply, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Because I want my mind, I want my life to match whatever it is that you're saying. What happens is there starts to happen an interchange in our life, in our mind. We change our mind about something. But that's not all Jesus talks about in terms of engaging these kairos moments in our life. It's not just about repenting. He says it's also about believing. We repent and we believe. That can also be translated to have faith. And I think what gets us a little sideways in our culture is when we hear that word believe and faith, we think that that's also just an intellectual thing. It's something of my mind. But in the biblical sense, it's not. Belief or faith is an action word. It's acting out, God, in light of what you're saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, what is it that you want me to do? This is what it looks like to engage these opportunities in our life. We recognize these kairos moments. We stop, we observe, we turn, and we see God is at work here. He's trying to say something to me. And we slow down our pace in a place where we can say, God, what are you saying? We start to allow God's spirit to speak to our mind, write those things down. God, what are you saying to me? And in light of that, in light of what you're saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And what happens in our life as we engage these, we say, God, this is what you're saying. This is what you want me to do. What happens is it sends our life off in a different trajectory, meaning we change. We grow, we're transformed as we engage what it is that God wants us to know and to do. This is a picture of how we, me, you, all of us, that we're gonna grow as we hear and respond to the voice of God in our life. Jesus says it lots of different ways. He talked about sheep. Sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They don't recognize another voice. They don't follow that because they don't recognize it. We learn to follow his voice. And if we were to just draw a picture of what our life would look like, our life is just a series of these kairos moments. Some are big, some are small, but we engage with God. God, what are you saying to me? What is it that you want me to do? I want to give you an assignment because we can talk about this all day long, but until the rubber hits the road, and we start engaging the Kairos moments that God is putting in front of us, we don't change. So I wanna ask you this week, and I'm, I'm gonna look and make sure I know who's all here, so I'm gonna ask you when I see you. I want you to identify 
a Kairos moment in your life? Where is there something in and around your life that it just seems like God is trying to grab your attention? I want you to identify, what is that? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to engage with God. Slow down your life enough to just ask the question, God, what are you saying? God, what might you be saying? And here's what I want you to do. As you start to, things start to come to your mind, just write them down. They might be right, they might be wrong. Just what are the things that are coming to your mind? What are the things that God might be saying about that? And then when you've looked at that and helped try to discern, like this is what it seems like God might be saying in and around this Kairos event in my life, I want you to ask the second question. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to follow you in obedience in light of what it is that you're saying to me, God? I want you to identify a Kairos. Ask yourself, God, what are you saying to me? God, what is it that you want me to do? And then the last thing that I want you to do is that I want you to talk to somebody about it. Share with them what it is that you sense that God might be saying to you and what it is that he's asking you to do. We learn to discern the voice of God together. There's times that we engage with God personally, but we discern the voice of God together. We help each other with that. Find that one safe person. What is your Kairos moment? I'm gonna be asking you next week. But I'm gonna give you a moment right now to put your things aside and to begin to ask the Lord, God, what is that Kairos moment for me right now? God, I just wanna thank you that you speak. That in all of your majesty, your glory, your holiness, your transcendence, that you make yourself approachable. We can come to you. We can ask you questions. We can seek your face. God, I just wanna do that better. I wanna do that more consistently. God, would you help us grow in our discernment of what it is that you're saying to us, what it is that you want us to do. Lord, help us. We want to be your people. We want to represent you well with these breaths that we have on this earth. God, we love you and we trust you. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.